Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Friday, April 1st, 2022. Don't worry, no pranks. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, a COVID relief restaurants bill is finding momentum in the House. Number two, tensions rise between the House and Senate. And number three, Republican election lawyer Charlie Spees taking on a new client in the Tennessee House race. All right, Jake, let's get into it. We have some news at the top of this morning's Punchbowl News AM newsletter about this new effort underway trying to find uh, a way forward on COVID relief for restaurants. Yeah, so uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi and other top Democrats are eyeing a vote next week to uh, provide COVID related funds to the nation's restaurants. We're big restaurant fans here at Punchbowl News, so um, big news for us. But no, the proposal is still coming together. Vote under consideration. Um, so listen, this is a the question is, I mean, this kind of plays into the larger theme here. Um, uh, will this go anywhere in the Senate? Um, the Senate is close to a, a agreement on a $10 billion COVID preparedness package, which can be what could be taken up next week as Congress gets ready to leave for the Easter recess. Two weeks off, Anna, as Brez says every week, um, uh, having covered themselves in glory, the Senate is gone for the week and having covered themselves in glory. The Senate and House will be gone for two weeks. Um, uh, this is it, it's going to be really complicated. There is bipartisan energy um, around this whole thing, and uh, it, we'll have to see if it goes anywhere. Uh, people are skeptical of continuing to provide COVID-related funds to businesses. Obviously, the government spent a big, big, big chunk of money, a pile of money, Um uh, on restaurants, uh, performing arts venues and things like that. Actually, quite interestingly, we, we reported yesterday that they're paying for part of the COVID package by rescinding or clawing back $2.2 billion that was put aside last year as part of a performing arts venue, a performing arts venue, uh, rescue package. Anyway, we're still on the COVID train, uh, on Capitol Hill, Anna, hopefully not, um, getting covid but we're still the the government is still is still providing covid related relief to all sorts of entities. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this has been obviously restaurants uh have been hit very very hard throughout covid throughout all of the different changing regulations at the local level, you know, at the state level, at people's comfort level, you know, there's just been extreme challenges around workforce um and certainly the industry groups that represent restaurants have been trying and pushing congress to move on this. As you said, will it become, you know, law? I I think that's we're a long way from there, but it certainly is an indicator of Democrats hearing restaurants about some of the dire nature of these small businesses in large part um, that are having a hard time coming back, you know, with people still not back in the office and and all kinds of challenges that they're dealing with. And so uh, you certainly see, you know, to your point, I think earlier that this is this is another kind of industry that's trying to figure out how can they get COVID relief money when that is no longer in vogue, right? I mean, there, it's a much, much steeper 
uh, hill to climb to try to get Republicans and Democrats on the same page after they've passed some of these big packages, but certainly something to watch. And I think goes into the number two story, uh, as you kind of noted, where we're, we're looking at just the tensions, a, a story as old as time, truly. Um, Tale as old know. as time, as we say in um, Beauty and the Beast. I guess we don't say it, but Beauty and the Beast says it. Yes, I, I like this reference from the, uh, the 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 father of the of the podcast. <laughs> uh, so, but but you know, the second story we're really looking at, kind of unpacking today, is just this ongoing tension of you know the House and Senate not you know kind of working together on things necessarily, kind of working in their own worlds, and then trying to find ways to cobble something together at the end. Yeah, on a, there, on a whole host of issues, um, there have been kind of disagreements between the House and the Senate. Um, we've noticed this in recent weeks. Um, they, the Senate changed the House's COVID bill. The first, no, the the Senate passed a COVID bill. The House dropped a provision from said COVID bill. Uh, the House just passed a bill uh, uh, capping insulin costs at $35 per month, despite Schumer's Chuck Schumer, the majority leader in the Senate, announced that he was negotiating a bipartisan COVID bill, a bipartisan, uh, excuse me, insulin bill. Um, and uh, uh, furthermore, now that they're they're trying to figure out this COVID relief package, or Brez doesn't like when I call it COVID relief, COVID preparedness package in, in the Senate, um, They've changed the global vaccine money because of Republican uh, resistance. Uh, you know, the bigger picture here, Anna, is that this is an all Democratic Washington, and and they're not. Kind of, I don't want to make too much of this. I'm not. I'm, we're not. I'm not going crazy over this. But they are on different pages on a whole host of issues, and there is a little bit of tension. Dan Kildee, the Michigan Democrat, said the Senate needs to get over itself. Um, I'm not going to agree or disagree, but uh, um, uh, he he said the Senate can't be this elitist body that allows each of its members super special veto power. It's got to come to an end. Well, sure. Oh, that seems like a, you know, a a real uh, underlying, you know, Joe Manchin, man. Everybody. 60 votes. 60 votes controls the Senate. So they all they do all have a veto power in a 50 50 Senate. As Joe Manchin has said, and there's some truth to this, if you want to pass, you know, more aggressive things, you got to elect more Democrats. And that's kind of that's kind of the reality. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I you know, as we said, this is an age-old dynamic in the Capitol. The Senate thinks the House does what it wants without consideration for the political reality in the upper chamber. The House gets frustrated by what it sees as the antiquated rules that limit what can get done in the Senate, meaning the filibuster. Um, so, you know, in an all-democratic Washington, this is why elections matter. This is why the midterms matter. Uh, you know, as much as Democrats are in control of Congress, when you have numbers like these, it gets very difficult to enact your um, your agenda. All right, let's move on to the number, number three story of the morning. Veteran Republican lawyer Charlie Spees is representing a group of Tennessee voters in an attempt to stop a law aimed at preventing former Trump administration official Morgan Ortegas from running for Congress. You see, this is interesting. So we, we've written a little bit about this. I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast, but um, let's uh, focus on this for one quick second. So the Tennessee legislature passed a uh, what is a, a relatively, I, I don't want to overdo this, but a relatively controversial law that um, mandates that um, if you're running for office in Tennessee, for Congress in Tennessee, you have to have lived in the state for three years. Uh, and in the district for three years. 
This was aimed at Morgan Ortegas, who recently moved to, and Morgan Ortegas is a former State Department spokesperson who has uh, uh, been in politics for a little bit. She has was on TV a lot. I, I got. Uh, she has a a long career in politics. She's in the, I believe, Navy Reserves. I got in trouble once for calling her a Fox News, uh, a former Fox News personality. Um, that's not what she. That's not all that she is. She has a long, a long history in politics and in in public service. Um, she moved to Tennessee. Decided she was going to run for the House. Quickly got Donald Trump's endorsement. Um, and uh, because she did work in the Trump in the Trump White House for Mike Pompeo at the State Department. So this is basically aimed at precluding Ortegas for running for Congress. Um, and. The a super PAC, Tennessee conservative PAC, um, which I'm told has more than a million dollars or at least a million dollars in the bank, uh, they are suing on behalf of some constituents of Ortegas to um, overturn the law. They're arguing that the Constitution says, and I, I'm very interested to see, frankly, how this shakes out that it violates Article One of the Constitution because the Constitution delineates the only qualifications necessary to serve as a member of the U.S. House of Representatives, and by the way, this is from the lawsuit, this is not my words, invests with the House of Representatives the exclusive authority to judge the qualifications of its own members. That part is true. The, the Constitution does say that you have to reside in the state to run for office. Fam- quite famously, um, the... Uh, you don't have to live in a district to run for Congress. You could just live in the state. Um, I'm really interested to see how this shakes out because um, I'm a house nerd and I'm curious to see how this works out. Ortegas, if she gets through this primary in this conservative seat around Nashville, will probably be a member of Congress. Um, again, has Trump's endorsement, able to raise a ton of money, has been endorsed by EPAC, that is Elise Stefanik's uh, House Republican Conference Chair Lee Stefanik's uh, uh, PAC that supports women running for office, Republican women running for office. So I find this super interesting and uh, we'll, we'll be eager to see how this shakes out. Absolutely. All right. And one quick note before we let you go on this Friday, Punchbowl News is growing again. We are very proud of the team that we've built here and are excited to announce that we are now hiring for two new positions, a product manager and subscription growth manager. If you are in those industries or you know someone, please let us know. You can check out the job descriptions on our website, on our careers page. That's punchbowl.news. And with that... Thank you so much for listening. Leave us a rating and review. It's the best way for folks to find out about this podcast. You can also subscribe to Punchbowl News at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.